48K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Pierre Tremblay. The headlines, the PLA signals that it's monitoring the protests in Hong Kong closely and criticizes the attack on the liaison office. Victims of the Yunlong attacks on Sunday vow to use every legal mean available to hold those responsible to account. Protesters target the MTR at rush hour in protest at the Yunlong attacks. And Boris Johnson prepares to lead Britain out of the European Union. The Defence Ministry has warned that it's keeping a close eye on the turmoil in Hong Kong in apparent confirmation that deploying People's Liberation Army troops to keep order is one option. Richard Pine has more. A PLA spokesman, Wu Qian, told a news conference in Beijing that the ministry is closely monitoring developments in the SAR, referring to the weeks of protests over the now-suspended extradition legislation. Asked if the PLA could be brought in to maintain order, Mr. Wu said only that Article 14 of Chapter 3 of the Garrison Law has clear stipulations governing such a scenario. Article 14 says the SAR government can ask the Hong Kong PLA garrison to send troops into the city to maintain public order if necessary. Mr. Wu also repeated Beijing's criticism of the vandalism of the liaison office on Sunday night, saying this cannot be tolerated. He was commenting during a press conference to introduce a new white paper on national defense. The Defense Ministry also said the threat of Taiwan separatism is growing and warned that seeking independence for the island was a dead end. It reiterated that Beijing would not renounce the use of force in efforts to reunify Taiwan with the mainland and vowed to take all necessary military measures to defeat separatists. It also emphasized Beijing's resolve to combat what it considers separatist forces in Tibet and Xinjiang. A group of passengers who were injured during Sunday's attack at Yunlong MTR station say they'll do whatever it takes to make sure the culprits and the police are held to account. Flanked by Democratic Party lawmaker Lam Jak Ting, who was also injured during the incident, the six victims recounted their experience. A man identified only as Mr. Kwok said he and his two sons were stuck on a train for around 30 minutes when they were returning from visiting a friend in Mawan. While he wasn't, was not hurt, he compared it to a terror attack. We were just passengers, normal citizens, on the way back home. Why we were treated like that? I would suspect that all the police in Yunlong and the related territories, they had plans with the mobs and terrorists already. I don't trust the police right now, especially those in North Territories. In my mind, I would would say that that's one picture. If they are using chopping knives, I would expect all the men will be dead. I am asking for global help to Hong Kong people. We don't trust Hong Kong government right now. Earlier protesters, angered by the MTR's role in the incident, targeted the island line at Admiralty Station, apparently responding to online posts which accused the railway operator of allowing access in Yunlong Station to the suspected triad members, who then attacked passengers. At about quarter past eight this morning, some protesters stopped island line train doors from closing and police were called. These protesters explained why they're not happy with the MTR and the police over the way they handled the violence in Yunlong on Sunday. There were many videos showing that there were no MTR staff inside the station, like they disappeared. And while leaving the passengers in the hands of the gangs, which is unacceptable, as they are basically using a public transit service, which should like provide minimum level of safety and like they should at least show up and do something to protect the passengers. What happened in Yunlong make me very concerned about my own safety. I can see that police force is not protecting us anymore. So as I'm very worried about that, I tend to protect myself. 
Earlier protesters, sorry. Meanwhile, the police have arrested five more men for unlawful assembly in connection with the Yunlong attacks, bringing the total to 11. Six men were arrested in a series of raids on Monday. Officers say some of those detained have triad backgrounds. Eleven people hurt in the attacks remain in hospital, one of them in a critical condition. Around two dozen people have staged a protest at the annual general meeting of the Link Reit at the Mira Hotel, accusing it of making huge profits from selling shopping malls and car parks in public housing estates to big companies, while small businesses are forced out by soaring rents. They also accuse the chief executive Carrie Lam of failing to fulfill her election promise to tackle the problem. Protesters from Link Watch and the League of Social Democrats threw hell money and called on the government to buy back Link Reit's properties. One of the protesters, lawmaker Aunokin, called for legislation to regulate the link read. The only way out is the legislation of uh, the public housing estate read. If there is a read which is beyond the objective or doing something harmful to Hong Kong citizens, there would be penalties afterwards. But right now, we can see in Hong Kong, there are no regulations, no penalties, so that they can do whatever they want. Overseas and Boris Johnson will take over from Theresa May as the British Prime Minister today as the country is facing its biggest political crisis in decades over Brexit. Mr. Johnson has already been in discussions with colleagues about senior cabinet posts. He's promised to leave the European Union by the end of October, come what may. Here's the BBC's Laura Kunzberg. For any incoming Prime Minister, the first big task is to appoint their cabinet. If you like, the cabinet's like the index to the book the Prime Minister wants to write about themselves. And the biggest thing to look out for is how many Brexiteers will he move into senior positions? Because after three years of angst, today was the day that the Brexiteers finally took charge. A divided party still, a parliament that's been stuck in stalemate with no real sense of any dramatic movement, however hopeful and optimistic Boris Johnson says he feels right now. The European Commission's incoming president, Ursula von der Leyen, has warned that challenging times has warned of challenging times ahead as the new British Conservative leader Boris Johnson prepares to become Prime Minister. She said it was important to build a strong working relationship. There are many different and difficult issues to tackle together. We have challenging times ahead of us. I think it is very important to build up a strong and a good working relation because we have the duty to deliver something which is good uh, for people in Europe and in the United Kingdom. Mr. Johnson wants to renegotiate the withdrawal deal agreed by his predecessor, with the, which the British Parliament has rejected three times, but EU leaders have said that's not possible. In the United States, where Britain would turn to for a post-Brexit trade deal, President Trump offered his warmest congratulations to Mr. Johnson. We have a really good man is going to be the Prime Minister of uh, the UK now, Boris Johnson. <laughs> Good man. He's tough and he's smart. Uh, they're saying Britain Trump. They call him Britain Trump, and people are saying that that's a good thing. Reports from the United States say high-level U.S. trade talks with China will resume next week for the first time since they broke down in May. The two countries have imposed wide-ranging tariffs on each other's goods since President Trump launched a trade war. The BBC's Jonathan Joseph reports. These talks have been on the cards since President Trump and President Xi effectively agreed a ceasefire at the G20 summit at the end of June. Relations have improved since, with China again pledging to buy more US agricultural products and Washington moving towards easing restrictions on the telecoms giant Huawei. 
The discussions in Shanghai are likely to include U.S. demands for better protection of intellectual property rights and Beijing's insistence that Washington starts rolling back tariffs. Ex-soldier Mark Esper has just been sworn in as the new U.S. Defense Secretary. The former lobbyist received support from both Republican and Democratic senators. He was put forward for the job after Mr. Trump's previous pick, Patrick Shanahan, withdrew from consideration for family reasons. The U.S. Justice Department says it'll open an antitrust review into whether market-leading online platforms are stifling innovation and reducing competition. The review will address concerns expressed by consumers and businesses. The BBC's Dave Lee has more. The Department of Justice hasn't specifically said which companies are under investigation, but it can be safely assumed Apple, Amazon, Facebook, and Google will be the focus of their attention. The broad question is whether newcomers are truly able to compete against the scale and riches of the Silicon Valley giants. What will make these firms nervous is that the DOJ isn't looking at any specific allegation, but instead embarking on a look at how the companies came to power and what they've done to remain there. The tech companies insist they have viable competition. Singapore has made its largest ever seizure of elephant ivory and pangolin scales following a tip-off by China. Customs officers in Singapore intercepted more than 20 tons with an estimated value of nearly $50 million. The ivory had come from around 300 African elephants. The pangolin scales are believed to have belonged to about 2,000 of the mammals. Paul de Ornelas is from the World Wildlife Fund. The level of collaboration and international involvement to address this trafficking issue is obviously good to see. It's something that we need to see more of if we're going to disrupt these criminal networks and really close down the trade. China in recent years has taken really significant steps with regards to closing down its domestic ivory market. So all this is positive news. I wouldn't say the battle is done, but it's certainly positive news. Former Premier Li Peng, the man who ordered martial law during the Tiananmen protests in 1989, has died. He was 90. Here's the, nine, here's the BBC's Celia Hatton in Beijing. Many in China will pay special attention to the section of the lengthy obituary that dealt with Li Peng's role in the Tiananmen Square crackdown in 1989. It argued he took decisive measures to stop unrest. But to a large number of people, Li Peng will always be known as the Butcher of Beijing. They believe that Mr. Li advocated the use of military force to clear pro-democracy protesters from Tiananmen Square on June 4th. It is still a Chinese state secret how many died that night. Estimates vary from a few hundred to a few thousand. A senior Russian general has confirmed that Russia and China have carried out their first-ever long-range joint air patrol in the Asia-Pacific region. General Sergei Kobilash referred to a controversial incident in which South Korea said its fighter jets had fired warning shots at Russian military aircraft that entered its airspace east of the Korean peninsula. Russia insists the exercise was over neutral territory. The International Monetary Fund has further lowered its forecast for global economic growth. It's now predicting growth of 3.2% this year. The IMF's chief economist, Gita Gopinath, explained why. Some of this is self-inflicted. And it is an outcome of prolonged tensions on the trade front, escalations on the technology front. The other risks include uh, the prospects of a no-deal Brexit, and that's been increasing more recently. So all of these factors, you know, are, are a source of concern for the outlook going forward. Currencies, the U.S. dollar is trading at 108.17 yen, the euro is standing at 1 U.S. dollar and 11 cents, the pound's worth 9 Hong Kong dollars and 70 cents. 
Short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 28,734. That's 256 points up on the previous close. Turnover stands at $38 billion. Sports, here's Adam Jung. The English champions Manchester City are getting ready to face local side Kichi in a football friendly at Hong Kong Stadium tonight. City's first visit to Hong Kong since 2013 comes under political turmoil. Fans have been encouraged on social media to take their anti-government protest into the stadium by singing Do You Hear the People Sing on the 21st minute. Kitchi President Ken Ng says fans have the right to express their views in a respectful manner. He also hopes tonight's game will ease the tension by bringing football fans together. If Kitchi uh, always say that you know our motto is for the good of Hong Kong and that we can change lives through football, maybe we're talking about uh, football can heal, football can put people together. Kitchi as a club is a club of the Hong Kong people. And what we do, we uh, try to uh, bring Hong Kong together through football. Meanwhile, the Manchester City boss Pep Guardiola has dismissed claims that the club had shown disrespect by ignoring fans on the mainland. It's been reported that City had not engaged with local fans during their tour stops in Nanjing and Shanghai last week. The manager was also accused of discrimination against mainland media. Guardiola says that's not been the case. Well, I should say I'm not agree, but I should say too that uh, it's false. So to, to make a statement like this, they have to know exactly what happened here in our club. So the players are, were an incredible time in Shanghai. They helped. They were committing all, all commercial you have to do with the people here in China. The people from hotel, we take care of all of them. We signature with pictures, not to the people. That's why it's, it's amazing to travel and to know another people. I don't understand how the people can say that. Maybe one journalist is a little bit upset. I don't know why. But it's far away with the reality. Ten days after winning the Cricket World Cup at Lords, a number of England players are back at the home of cricket, preparing for their one-off test against Ireland. It'll be the only test for England ahead of the Ashes against Australia. Here's the England captain, Joe Root. It's a new challenge for, for everyone involved in this. And you know, for the guys that haven't been involved, it's the start of the summer, um, so they'll be full of energy and, and for the other guys, it's making sure that they understand that there's an opportunity to do something really special now and make this a really memorable summer of cricket for England and um, it's important that we, we capitalise on that chance. It's only Ireland's third test match after being granted ICC full membership in 2017. The match at Lords will also be their first against England. And that's your look at sports. Adam Jung reporting there. The news from RTHK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, Radio 3. It feels like they're coming at me from all sides. Like I've got nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. It feels like I'm never good enough. It feels like I'm always just trying. Sometimes I feel like I should give up. And sometimes I feel like I'm dying. I'm falling to be. 
Yeah. 